Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. And that is what we talk about here everything baby sleep. Maybe we should have named it the everything baby and toddler sleep podcast because we do talk a lot about toddlers as well, but it was just too much of a mouthful. Really a lot of the families that come to us come to us in the baby stage. They don't necessarily always work with us in the baby stage. We do work with lots of toddlers and preschoolers, but a lot of parents are reaching out from the beginning to just get some advice, get some support, get some answers to their many questions when it comes to their infant sleep, because it can be a struggle sometimes in those early months and those first couple of years to just really figuring out your baby's sleep patterns and how to get them great, restful, developmentally appropriate sleep. So that's also why we developed Q&A Tuesday on the podcast, so that every other Tuesday on the podcast, we have a Q&A day where I pull out Questions that I've gotten anywhere from Instagram to Facebook to my inbox that are questions asked by moms and dads who are just having some challenges with particular elements of their baby or their toddler's sleep. Today is Q&A Tuesday, so let's dive into this previous week's top five questions. First one, if my child only naps for 20 minutes, do I still offer a full wake window before another nap? What counts as a nap? That's a really good question and one that I get a lot, especially about infants who will sometimes have what we call micro naps or those really short cat naps that aren't even 30 or 40 minutes long. Sometimes they're only like 10 or 20. That doesn't seem like a very restful nap. Your baby wakes up not seeming very rested. And so do you count that as a nap? Here's the thing. I know as a parent, it feels like, man, that was not a nap. Like you are not rested. That was not a good nap. We can't count that as a nap if it was only 20 or 30 minutes long. But to your baby, it was enough that they're probably not going to go back to sleep very easily until they have another full wake window. So in answer to this question, if your child only naps for 20 or 30 minutes, do you still offer a full wake window before another nap? I would say yes. And I know that sometimes your baby's gonna seem really fussy and cranky during that wake window, but if you have a six month old who can normally stay awake for a couple of hours and they only have a 20 or 30 minute nap and then you decide, well, that wasn't a restful nap, I'm gonna try to put you down again an hour from now, it's probably not going to go very well. Your baby is used to being awake for a couple of hours And if you try to put them down after only an hour, even if their nap was only short, they're probably going to protest and it's going to be a much harder nap. So if a nap is 20 or 30 minutes or longer, then I would call it a nap and I would do a full wake window until you put your baby down for their next nap. If your baby has a super micro nap, like your baby has just gone down for a sleep and they are up 10, 15 minutes later, if a nap is under 15 minutes, then I wouldn't consider it a nap at all. I would keep trying for that nap if you're comfortable to continue to try to get your baby to go down for that nap because they haven't even really napped yet. Or you may just want to go for a walk with the stroller or in the carrier to extend that little tiny micro nap to get your baby a decent nap. 
or you may want to shorten the next wake window because if your baby only naps for 10 minutes, then it's likely they're going to be pretty tired before their wake window is up and you may need to put them down a little sooner. But if a nap is over 15, 20 minutes, then I would call it a nap and do that full wake window. Next question, my baby is almost seven months and can roll back to tummy, but still cannot roll tummy to back. It's so frustrating come sleep time because he rolls to his belly and gets upset. Any tips for helping him learn to roll to his back after he's gotten to his belly? Do have a tip for that because I talk to my families that I work with all the time about this because it's a really frustrating milestone when your baby has figured out how to get onto their tummy in the crib, but they're frustrated on their tummy and they can't get back onto their back where they want to be. So if you are in that tricky transitional stage with your baby, which often happens around five or six months, If your baby can roll to their belly but can't roll back again, a lot of parents will really concentrate on tummy time and they'll put their child on the play mat in the living room and they'll do lots of practice there. But the crib is a really different space to your baby. It's a much smaller space than that wide expansive living room that you have. And so you may actually want to try practicing in the crib. So during your baby's awake time, take some toys and put them in the crib on their belly with some toys supervised of course lights on even play a little music or something and then have your baby on your be- on their belly and go around the corner of the crib in kind of a where is mummy where is mummy kind of situation so you're encouraging your baby who you've placed on their belly to roll onto their back towards you to find you and to find your voice So that is a good way to practice in the crib. The faster you can get through that milestone with your baby, the less disruptive it's going to be for sleep. So do practice lots with that rolling milestone so that they can become comfortable going back onto their back on their own if that's how they like to sleep. Next question is about a three-year-old. It's about a preschooler. Remember I said we work with preschoolers too? Maybe I should have named it the Everything Baby and Preschooler Sleep Podcast. This is about a three-year-old and mom said, hi, Tips for dealing with my three-year-old getting out of bed at 5 a.m. every day. We have a wake-up clock, and sometimes he waits until 6 a.m. when the clock changes to come out of his room, but other times he just comes to our room and wants to play. Here's the thing about the wake-up clock. I've talked about the wake-up clock on the podcast before. I love a wake-up clock for a three-plus-year-old. It can be very helpful, but the wake-up clock is only helpful if you have some age-appropriate rules boundaries, rewards, and consequences attached to it. So if you just show your child this new clock and you tell him, hey, cool, we have this clock. It turns blue when you're supposed to be sleeping and it turns yellow when you're allowed to get up and, you know, listen to it, do that. Your child's probably not going to listen to it. Your child's going to be like, I don't, okay, I get it, but what's the motivation here? Why would I do that? And so often you will need some motivation behind the idea of staying in bed until the clock changes color and it's okay to get up for the day. You have to decide individually with your specific child what motivates them in terms of age-appropriate rewards and consequences. When I say age-appropriate, when I'm talking about consequences, for example, your three-year-old maybe likes to sleep with his door open a little bit. That's really common for three-year-olds. No problem. We can sleep with the door open, but only if you are in bed and quiet when the clock is, say, blue, if that's what your clock is set to at night. We can only keep your door open if you're doing what we've asked and you've gotten in your bed and you're going to sleep quickly and quietly because the clock is blue and that's what we know is supposed to happen. If you can do that, great. No problem to keep the door open a crack. 
if you can't do that and you continue to run out of your bed at bedtime or run out of your bed at five o'clock in the morning, then your door can't stay open when you're sleeping. We're going to have to close it and it's going to have to stay closed until you are in your bed quietly working on going to sleep. It's a really fair trade-off for your three-year-old. They understand what you're saying. They understand those boundaries. If they want to test them, then they're going to see those age-appropriate consequences. That's not going to work for every child, especially if your child doesn't like to sleep with their door open, but it's an example of something you might attach to the idea of a wake-up clock to help your child stay in bed. The other side of it though, is that we wanna motivate with some fun rewards as well. You might think about a sticker chart on the wall and you might say, okay, we have this wake-up clock. It's going to be blue during the night. It's going to turn yellow when it's okay to get up for the day. And if you can go into your bed quickly and quietly when the clock is blue at bedtime and stay in your bed until the clock turns yellow in the morning, you can get a sticker on your chart. Maybe when we get two stickers, we're going to get a, and then you talk to your child about what a is, about what that fun big reward is. Maybe it's rainbow ice cream for breakfast if you're okay with food treats. Maybe it's some kind of new Hot Wheels figure if that's something that your child's into, but it's something to motivate them. And then you start to space out the rewards until this becomes more of a habit and you can fade out the rewards. Don't worry, it's temporary bribery. So that is something you need to consider with the wake up clock. So in answer to this mom's question, if your child gets out of his bed at 5 a.m. and comes to your room and wants to play and you play, you hang out with him, you get up, you turn on all the lights, you go downstairs and watch Paw Patrol at five o'clock in the morning, there is no motivation for your child to stay in his bed when he wakes up at 5 a.m. and the clock is still blue. If he knows that he can get out of bed and come to your room and play and get up and watch TV, there really is no motivation to stay in bed. So it's important to explain the rules to your child, make sure they understand the boundaries and implement some age appropriate rewards and consequences around the idea of the wake up clock if we're going to expect the wake up clock to work. Next question for today is also about older children. It's about potty training. This mom asked, as we begin potty training, I'm not sure how to approach nighttime because he's still in a crib. Do you have any insights to share? I do. Research shows that many children are not ready to go through the night dry until months or even years beyond when they have done daytime potty training. So you might have a two and a half, three-year-old who you finish daytime potty training with and they are in cotton underwear during the day and they do great during the day, no problem, but they still wet at night. They still cannot get through the night without needing to use the washroom or having a wet bed. That is why I suggest that you allow your child to wear pull-ups until you see that they are ready to go through the whole night dry because their pull-up is dry in the morning. And that, again, that might happen months or sometimes even years beyond when they are daytime potty trained. I am not a potty training expert. I am a sleep expert. And so you also need to take this advice knowing that Potty training is not my field of expertise per se, but I do find that families have the most success with the combination of sleep and potty training when they don't stress about nighttime potty training because it's really not something that is in their or their child's control. It's in biology's control. Daytime potty training is very much in your and your child's control once they are at an age where they are cognitively ready to understand the concept of using the toilet in the day because they are conscious and you are conscious and you are both aware of the goal you're trying to achieve and you have strategies in place for achieving that daytime potty training. At nighttime, you're all asleep. Your brains are turned off. We can't necessarily expect your child 
to just start going through the entire night dry or to wake up and use the washroom on their own when they're only two and a half years old. I really do recommend that if you're comfortable with it, you let the pull-ups happen overnight until your child does show that they are able to go through the night pretty consistently dry and then you switch to cotton underwear overnight at that time last question for today my son turned three last month three years old lots of preschooler questions today my son turned three last month and is often not napping he just lays there and sings when is it time to drop the nap altogether and just do an earlier bedtime and how early should bedtime be at that point most children are ready to drop their nap at some point between three and four years of age. I have seen some children drop their nap and do okay with it after about two and a half years of age, but most children do best with a nap until three to four years. When your child is not looking tired leading up to their nap time anymore, laying in their bed and singing or talking to themselves for an hour instead of sleeping, or still napping, but having then a really hard time going to sleep at bedtime, and it's clearly the result of that daytime sleep, these are all signs that your child is ready to drop their nap. And again, they're between about three and four years of age. That's when we know that it's time to drop the nap altogether, and now we just do an earlier bedtime. Because often by three years of age, if your child has still been napping during the day, our bedtime has creeped towards 7.30 or 8 p.m. because they're just not tired enough earlier than that to sleep because they've had a nap during the day. But once your child drops their nap, you are going to want to pull that bedtime quite a bit earlier. So normally when a child is first adjusting to not having a nap anymore, I will actually put them to bed around 6 or 6.30 latest for the first month or two, because it's a very big change to go from having an hour and a half nap in the middle of the day to not having any sleep in the middle of the day. So your child is going to be very tired by even 6 p.m. So I wouldn't be afraid of a 6 p.m. bedtime for the first month or two while your child is getting used to that adjustment. Once that's done and you can see your child's adjusted and they don't seem completely exhausted after dinner, then you could creep slowly towards more like a 7 p.m. bedtime, maybe 7.15. And that's a pretty appropriate bedtime for a four-year-old who's now adjusted to not having a nap anymore. That's it for today. That's the top five questions I pulled out for this past week. Hope you enjoyed Q&A Tuesday. Hope it was helpful. I think we went from, you know, infants on many naps a day to preschoolers who are dropping their naps. So hopefully we covered the full range and that was helpful information for so many of you today as you move through these first months and years with your little one and all those big changes that happen to sleep. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company, and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one -on -one to get sleep on track.